0: Good morning. It is good to see all of you here today. Thanks for being here. And if you're watching this online, thanks for watching it online or listening to it on the radio. Thanks for tuning in on the radio. I want you guys to know today that uh, I'm, I'm happy you made the choice to be here. I know that, that your choice to be here today might not have been your own. Maybe you just kind of found yourself here today, but Nonetheless, you're here, and I hope that you make the most of it. Uh, I'm glad that you're here. I, I want you to know that it's not going unnoticed. It's noticed by us. It's noticed by God. And that makes a, make a, makes a big difference to him. So thanks for being here today. If you're, if you're a guest or you're new with this today, you haven't been in a while, we're in the middle of a sermon series. Uh, it's basically what happens when everything falls apart, what happens when everything begins to break or it's broken. And specifically today, what we're going to be talking is about what to do when you are sick. And I know that that is something that applies to a lot of people. Some of us here are, are experiencing it. We've experienced it and we are experiencing what it's like when you have to live your life with uh, a sickness or being sick. Uh, whether that is something that was caused by age, and there, there are some of us who no, no doubt that age is creeping up on us and, and things that used to work don't work so well anymore, and you're having to live with that, and for some people, it's disease. You've experienced something like cancer, or leukemia, or a stroke, or there's a lot of different things that have happened in some of your lives, and that's a game changer for you. For others, it could be as a result of an accident, some sort of a tragedy that took place, and, and now you're dealing with it. There's, there's all kinds of reasons that I haven't even mentioned, and so I believe that there's a lot of people who are in this room today who are experiencing this struggle with what it's like to try to live your life when you are physically impaired. You're disabled somehow, some way. And, and then, if it's not you that's actually going through it, I think there's probably a lot of people who are here who might be super close to the person who is experiencing that. And oftentimes, that can be just as bad. And in some ways, it can be worse when you have a loved one who's going through something, and you know that there's really nothing that you can really... Or you can really do, or at least it seems that way sometimes, right? You just you don't know what you can do to help them make it through another day. And before I go any further, I, I and I don't want to sound like I'm complaining. But if you're the kind of person who lives with sickness, you live with disability, you live with pain. And I want you to know, I know how you feel, and it it's hard. And if you don't know it, it's hard. When you lay your head down at night and you wonder if you're going to get any sleep because you hurt so bad, or you're one more round of visiting a toilet because you're throwing up poison that they're pumping into your body, I'll, I want you to know I I know how you feel. And man, that day can turn into a week, and that can turn into a month. And the next thing you know, you feel like your entire life is just wrapped up and trying to exist, and it it's hard. So today we want to talk about that. We I think a lot of us have experienced it. And what do you do when that's you? What do you do? And how do you you treat that in such a way that somehow you make something out of it that's good for God and good for others? That's that's what we hope to be able to do today. And and what I would hope to do is kind of give everybody here a little bit of a a pep talk. Yeah, but I'm not the best at giving pep talks. So I have recruited some help today to give a pep talk. Take a look at this.
1: I think we all need a pep talk. The world needs you to stop being boring. Yeah, you. Boring is easy. Everybody can be boring, but you're gooder than that. Life is not a game, people. Life isn't a serial either. Well, it is a serial. And if life is a game, aren't we all on the same team? I mean, really, right? I'm on your team, be on my team. This is life, people. You got air coming through your nose. You got heartbeat. That means it's time to do something. A poem. Two roads diverged in the woods, and I took the road less traveled. And it hurt, man. Really bad. Rocks, thorns, and glass. My parts broke. Not cool, Robert Frost. But well if there really were two paths? I want to be in the one that leads to awesome. It's like that dude Journey said, don't stop believing unless you dream stupid. Then you should get a better dream. I think that's how it goes. Get a better dream and keep going. Keep going, keep going, and keep going. What Michael Jordan have quit? Well, he did quit. No, so he retired. Yeah, yes, he retired. But before that, in high school, what if he had quit when he didn't make the team? He would have never made Space Jam. And I love Space Jam. What will be your Space Jam? What will you create will make the world awesome? Nothing if you keep sitting there. That's why I'm talking to you today. This is your time. This is my time. It's our time. We can make every day better for each other. But if we're all on the same team, let's start acting like it. We've got work to do. We can cry about it or we can dance about it. We were made to be awesome. Let's get out there! I don't know everything, I'm just a kid. But I do know this. Because everybody's doing to give the world a reason to dance. So get to it. You've just been pecked up. Create something that will make the world awesome.
0: create something that will make the world awesome you know here's the the truth I believe and that is, is that every single one of us at some point in time in our life probably thought we were on a path that was leading toward awesome at least that was our objective in life But I can tell you that personally, when you start to experience things like pain and tragedy or sickness, that awesome gets replaced pretty quick with, let's just survive. And so today, if if that's you or it's somebody that's close to you, hopefully you can get a little bit of a pep talk from today, as well as some helpful steps to be able to start dealing with pain in a way that is productive. First step, I want to suggest today that we that we do when we are sick, when everything's falling apart, is we take our pain to God. And if you're a note taker or a fill-in-the-blank kind of person, there's your first one. Take your pain to God. Now, before you tune me out, those of you who, have, who either aren't Christians or you're young Christians and you're like, man, I've tried this before. This is so dumb. I, I, I want you to hear me out first. I understand that this might sound a bit, a bit cliche or a bit churchy to you, to take your pain to God. But let me explain what I mean by that. And for some of you, you're like, man, God's the last person I want to take my pain to because God's the one that I blame for the pain. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're one of those people who thinks, God, uh, you could have stopped this. You could have prevented this. Why would, I, why would I take my pain back to the one who was responsible for it in the first place? Well, let me explain something. I have two seven-year-old kids, little boy, little girl. And I can remember very distinctly, and some of you who are parents Uh, You know this is true too. When When your kids were young and they got hurt, doesn't matter what kind of hurt, you notice how they instinctually will turn toward you? They will come toward you with their pain? What is it that they're wanting? I know that in my mind, I've thought what they're wanting me to do is to take the pain away or comfort them at the very least. And so as a good parent... I I try to do that, especially when my kids were really young. They come to me and, you know, you give them kisses and cartoon band-aids and you try to make it all better. And if they really are injured, then you take them to a doctor or somebody who's a specialist on something. As a good parent, that's what we do. But if our children are literally, quite literally, if they are coming to us, if they are wanting us to genuinely remove their pain, if they honestly wanted us as parents to ensure that they would have no pain whatsoever in their life. Can you imagine what we would have to do as parents in order to to achieve that? We would have to restrict their freedom and their movements so much that they could not possibly even have the risk of being injured. And it's true. When your kids are little, you do certain things. You know, baby gates. Don't let them play with razors, loaded guns, (laughs) stuff like that. Fish hooks. It's just... You do what you can to be safe, but you know there's there's certain things that you can't do, especially as they get older. When they get older, you try to put restrictions and you, you try to limit the amount of freedom that they have to do things because you're afraid that if they do that, they might experience pain. And most kids will rebel against that as they get older, and so they don't want that. So I want you to try to factor that in if you're one of those people who are blaming God. Try to imagine what it is that God would have to do to restrict your freedom in order to prevent there from ever being any injury whatsoever. It doesn't make sense. God's objective has never been, ever been, to eradicate pain from our lives here on this earth. It's a part of what we deal with. And as a good parent, I know that. I know that my kids are going to have pain, they're going to experience pain. In fact, there's no way that I could there's no way that I could prevent that sort of thing from happening completely even though there are some modifications that I could do. But there's something very important in that moment when that child, when my child or any child comes toward a parent, is what they're looking for is something from somebody. What they're looking for from their parent is genuinely this. This pain hurts. What am I supposed to do with this? And as a good parent, you comfort them and you love them and you embrace them and you do what you can, and God does that too. But in order for God to do that with you, you're going to have to draw close to him like a child does toward a parent. And that's the thing that God wants the most, really, from you. Regardless of whether or not you're a believer or non-believer. God wants you to draw close to him. In fact, I want to read to you a real short, real short verse. James chapter 4, verse 8. And I'll unpack it. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. That is a promise. If you will draw close to God, regardless of who you are, reg- regardless of whether or not you're a believer or not a believer, regardless of whether or not your sins have been forgiven, regardless of whether or not you self-identify as being one of the biggest scumbags on the face of the earth, if you will take a moment to draw close to God, the promise is that God's going to be right there to meet you. He wants that, especially if it's in the middle of your pain. And when that time does happen and you draw close to God with your pain, there are some awesome things that can happen. Some of us are examples of of what happens when you take your pain to God and you say, God, I need you to do something with this because this, I don't know, I can handle it. Sometimes God miraculously heals. And some of us in this room have experienced that. Amen? We know what it's like. Whether it's been because of medical advancements, things of that nature, God has seen a lot of us through some extreme pain and brought us back to a place of health. But there are some who God hasn't done that with. In fact, the ones that God has healed as well as the ones that God hasn't healed, God has asked them to do the same thing. And that's another step in the progression of our faith. And that's going to be my second point. That next step that God has asked me to do, and I'm pretty sure that he's going to ask a lot of you to do too, is this. It's to look beyond the temporary to the eternal. Look beyond the temporary to eternal. And again, I know that that sounds churchy, And maybe it sounds a little bit cliche, so I I want to explain that. Because that is something that either a a new Christian or a person who's not a Christian may not completely understand. So let me unpack that just a little bit. When you are being asked by God or wooed by God to enter into a relationship with Him, what God is asking from every single person is that they will exchange one life for another. That they would be willing to say that this life and all the things that are are part of it, I am willing to give it up in order to embrace a new life that God would give to me. Okay? Let me give you an example of what I mean by that. This is in a a book. If you're not familiar with the Bible, it's called 2 Corinthians. And what it just means is that this is the second letter that Paul wrote. Paul is a fellow who wrote a lot of the New Testament. He wrote to a church in Corinth. Okay? And so in his letter to this church in Corinth, this is what he says to them. Okay? Okay? Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now, let's face it. Even right now, if you were all, and and I was to do the same thing, I were to identify in my life how much of my life spent in a normal day is living for me versus how much of that day is spent living for God, there's still a lot of my life that I am living with me as the center of it. That might come across as a shock to some of you who look at pastors, but I can tell you that pastors struggle just the same as anybody else when it comes to living their lives for Christ 100% of the time. But that's what we are supposed to do. And the truth of it is, is that when I am living my life for myself, it's almost always aimed at a target of awesomeness, but it's according to my definition of what awesome is. I want to be a country music star. I want to be a professional basketball player. I want to be this, I want to be that. We all have our idea of what awesome is going to be. Those weren't my ideas of being awesome. But I had some ideas of what I wanted to do with my life. And I found out that that wasn't going to work. And so... When I recognized that God was saying, dude, I've got a life for you, but it's going to mean that you're going to have to give up the old life and the definition of what you think is awesome, and I want you to live for a new life, and I want you to live accordingly to what my definition of awesome is, okay? And so, with this new life of awesomeness, God sets some things out there for all of us to look at, and so when I say that when God came to me, or when I came to God, however you want to look at it, and said, Matt... I understand that you are bringing your pain to me. And even though I am not going to heal you of your pain and you're going to have to live with this for the rest of this life, I want you to know that this is not always going to be the way it is for you. In fact, there's a new life. And in that new life, there is something that I define as awesome and I want you to embrace it. And that awesomeness is heaven. And when you think about heaven and when you think about the things that this earth compared to it, I want you to recognize which is eternal or which lasts forever and which is temporary or which is only going to last for a little bit of time. And so when I say look past the the temporary and look to the eternal, what I'm talking about is God saying to all of us, there are things that you're going to have to deal with in this short period of time of this life, but in your next life, one of the things that you get to look forward to are heaven. In fact... The same guy Paul wrote to another church in Colossae and said this to those believers there. Colossians 3, 1-4. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights, in other words, your vision. Look on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life is revealed to the whole world you will share in all his glory heaven set your sights on the realities of heaven there's some realities of heaven that the bible talks about there's a whole bunch of them some of the i've actually made a top 5 list but some of the things that aren't on my top 5 list are some of the obvious things some of the most cool and, and amazing things like one hanging with jesus I mean, obviously, if you're a person who's looking forward to going to heaven, it's because you're in love with Jesus. So you're going to be excited to hang with him, talk with him, you know, experience. You just, just hear him telling stories. I can't wait for that. And, uh, one of the things I'm also looking forward to doing is sitting down and interviewing some of the guardian angels that have been assigned to me over the years and, <laughs> and asking them, you know, where are you on that one, man? You could have helped me out. Instead, I got injured. What's your problem? But no, I I actually have a a top five list. And in the context of today's sermon about what to do when you're sick, I think that these are appropriate to have on a list. Number one on my list, I get a new body without pain, brokenness, or weakness. Doesn't that sound good? Could I get an an, an itty-bitty amen at least on that? Number two, there will be no more sickness. Amen. Number three, there will be no more temptation or sin yeah big amen number four there will be feasting partying and celebrating big deal party on and then the fifth one is actually a little personal to me it's uh, I will finally get to see my kids who went to heaven before me and that I think is true for a lot of people one of the reasons why we're all looking for heaven is there are people that we love who are there and how fun it will be to finally be able to hang out with them and spend some time with them heaven is amazing Heaven is an amazing place, and if we could set our sights on the realities of it, honestly, it would help. In fact, for me, I know it does. When I think about all the joy that I have waiting for me in heaven, I am delighted. And it helps me to be able to keep my focus right when it comes to things here on this earth. I know that this is temporary. I don't have maybe too many more years to live here on this earth, but I know i got an eternity to be able to live in heaven, and that excites me. And so, if if it's you, maybe the first step that, that... You need to take, if you're sick, you're dealing with it, you take your pain to God. You ask Him to heal you. You ask Him to help make sense of all of it. And part of the way that He might help to make sense of all of it is that God would say, I want you to see what's temporary and I want you to see what's eternal. Know the difference between the two. Your pain here is temporary. Your life with me is eternal, and that will be the one where you'll be pain-free. Well, outside of this first and second step. I believe that there is a third step, and there's probably more than that, but we're only going to keep it to three today to keep it uh, it short. And so I want to get into this third step. The third step is this. It's to use your pain for good. Don't just take your pain to God. Don't just look past the temporary to the eternal. If you're going to have to live with pain, use that pain somehow, some way to do good for other people. Now, in order to emphasize my point I need to show you uh, another video. Take a look at this.
1: Good President. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I never thought anything like this would happen. I'm just a kid. I have osteogenesis imperfecto, if you know what that is. And maybe I break easily. Since I was born, I had over 70 breaks. Broken right now. And I still dance. But yeah, so much of the idea for Kid President came from Robbie's just resilient spirit. What does resilient mean? (laughs) I don't know. We just started making these videos for fun and... Are you dancing right now? You're dancing, aren't you? Mm Mm-hmm. Could you stop dancing for just one second? Okay. <laughs> we just want to help spread hope and joy and that's all we're trying to do. And it's been really cool of you to watch and to help. So what will you create that will make the world more awesome? Yeah, what will you create to make the world more awesome? Give the world
0: a reason to dance. <laughs> oh, I just think it's amazing. And so osteogenesis imperfecta. Here is a young 10-year-old boy named Robbie Novak who has brittle bone disease. He's had over 70 breaks in the course of his life. I want you to know, as a person who's experienced 20-plus broken bones in my life, I know that it hurts to break a bone. I know what it's like to live with the arthritis afterwards. I know what it's like to be wakened up in the middle of the night and not be able to get back to sleep because it just hurts too bad. But this kid... Are you kidding me? Over 70 breaks and by the age of 10, he's doing this? He is using his pain for good. I tell you, we are blessed, folks. We truly are blessed. And I, I might be a bit presumptuous here, but I believe that every single person, when you see an individual who is obviously dealing with pain, but they are using it for good, does it not inspire you? Does it not change the way that you think just a little bit? I know that one of the greatest things that will make a person shut up in life when they're complaining about what it is that they're dealing with is when they look at somebody who's got it worse off than them and you don't hear them ever complain one bit about life. It just makes you want to swallow up all of your bitterness and pain and shut up. Unless the words that are coming out of your mouth are good. And you know what? We're blessed to have that kind of a person. If you don't know Tom Mayhew, one of our pastors, he's the guy that rides around on that scooter all the time. And I don't know where Tom is at right now, but guys, I want you to know that Tom Mayhew is an example of what it means. There he is right over there. He is an example of what it means to live life in pain and use it for good. Tom, I love you. And so that's what I'm encouraging all of you to do here today. In fact, that's something that I believe that's been an encouragement to Christians ever since Christians started being identified by that term. In fact, Paul, again, writing to this church in Corinth, said this to him in his second letter. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So, what can we do? What can we do today that can be an encouragement, that could be a comfort to other people? How could every single one of us, in spite of the fact that we might be living with pain or dealing with some sort of a disability, or having to, to approach life for the people that we live with differently because of the because of the setbacks in our life, the physical setbacks? What can we do? Well, be honest with you. I've kind of set it up today in a way that I hope that every single person here can actually be a part of proving that you can do something that makes a difference. In fact, when you came into the auditorium this morning, all of you were handed a ticket. I want to ask you to grab those tickets, pull them out right now and take a look at them. I don't want you to show the number off to anybody. I just want you to hold that ticket so that you can see that number. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to draw one ticket out of this basket here. It's the duplicate to every single one of the tickets that were handed out. When I draw this ticket and I read off this number, if this number is not your number, if this number is not your number, write it down. Write it down on the back of your hand. Write it down on a bulletin. Write it down on your smartphone. But write it down. And then put it someplace where you're going to see it this whole week. Put it on your mirror, on the dashboard of your car. I don't care where you put it. You can tattoo it. Don't, no, don't tattoo it on your forehead. Just That look weird. But just put it someplace where you're going to see it an awful lot. And then every time you see it, every single time you see it, I want you to pray for the person whose ticket this does belong to. And if this ticket that I draw is yours, don't jump up. Don't hoop and holler. Don't go running around. In fact, don't say anything to anybody the only thing I want you to do is I want you to email me or contact me. Here's my email address right there. It's matt at eastpointchurch.org. I want you, this one person who has this ticket, to understand what it's like to go through an entire week with over 200 plus people who are praying for you every single day that God would comfort you and encourage you. Do you ever wonder what that would feel like? Are you ready? Are you willing to be a part of a, a test to see whether or not it makes a difference in your world for one week to know that there are a whole bunch of people who are praying for you. I hope so. I hope so. So if this number is yours, I hope you're willing to participate in it. <laughs> Age. <laughs> the number is 560-859. Again, five six zero eight five nine. Write that number down, and if that number is yours, again, I ask of you, please let me be a part. Let the rest of us be a part in figuring out just how well prayer works. Now, what I'm assuming is there's a lot of people who are in this room today that have somehow, some way, dealt with sickness dealt with some type of a disability or some type of a setback in their life. And you've been given three simple steps. Maybe they're steps that you've already taken. Maybe they're steps that uh, you've already taught to other people and and you're living that out. If that's true, God bless you. If you're one of those Tom Mayhew's in life, man, I love you. But for the rest of us, these are some practical things that I hope we can do. Take your pain to God. Ask God, what am I supposed to do with this? And if he tells you this is temporary, but this is eternal, Know the differences between the two and let that delight you and give you strength to be able to persevere. But most importantly of all things, folks, let's use our pain for good. And in spite of whatever it is that we're dealing with, we can do stuff with it. We can go make kid president movies. We could do something just to encourage somebody. But the most simple thing that every single one of us can do here today, just pray. Just pray for a number this week. God will know who that number belongs to and I promise you will bless them. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, I love you. I am so grateful that you have let me play any part whatsoever in your plan of redemption for a world. That you would involve any of us in that is purely motivated out of your love, because I know you could get the job done without us. You do not need us, but you love us, and so you invite us, and Father, I pray that every single person here would feel that tug of invite to pray this week for whoever this person is. And if that person right now is sitting in this room thinking, wow, wow, God, wow, I'm looking forward to this work that you're doing in my life. Whoever that is, Lord, I believe that you've you've designed this, that you've prepared this person for this week. And I look forward to being able to share with everybody here, Lord, what it is that you've done through us to bless them. There's probably some of you that are in this room today though that are, are a little bit confused still. You you may want to start a relationship with God but you don't know how. And maybe you've kind of heard about it before but you just don't feel comfortable embarking at it on it all on your own. And so I'm going to make a simple prayer and you can change the words if you want to to this prayer and make them your own or you can just listen to the whole thing and at the end of it say, yeah, God that that that's me. That's what I want. If that's either, either way, I'm going to make a prayer, and it's just to get you started. God, I surrender my life. I give it up to you. And whatever it is that you, you are offering to me, and I don't know all that it is, I know that I want it over what it is that I've got right now, and so I give it all up to you. I give you my sin, and I ask you to forgive it. I give you my, my desires, my goal, my definition of awesome, and, and, and you can redefine it. I give you what it is that I've always lived my life for in me, and now I want to live my life for you. You've got it. And whatever it is that you do in people, if it's filling them with your spirit and marking and identifying, Lord, I want all of that. Count me in. I want to be known as yours. And if that's your prayer, if that's your prayer, then God is very clear that not only does he embrace you and accept you, but that he does at this moment empower you. And maybe you're even feeling it right now. Lord, do something with us that makes the whole world recognize that you're awesome. I pray, Lord, that we would be a part of that. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing one last song. Our ushers are going to come forward. They're going to pass out an offering bag. If you're new with us, We'd really love to be able to connect with you. Take that communication card, fold that in half, stuff it in an offering bag. If you're a regular attender or a member of East Point, you know that everything that we do is dependent upon your generosity. So we pray that you give. We're going to sing a song, and afterwards I'll come back up and I'll dismiss this. Three things before you go today. Number one, if, if you're one of those people who made that prayer your own today, I want to invite you to do uh, one thing. It's grab this. Pack it like this. It's at every door. Grab it. There's a Bible in there. some information in there. And then tell somebody. Come tell me. Come tell. Go tell anybody. That's one thing. Two, if you're interested in taking communion, we've got it available on both sides of the room today. Feel free to take that on your way out as a family or as a couple or whatever. And the last thing is this. If you need prayer or you want to introduce yourself to one of the pastors here, you make your way forward as everybody else is making their way out. And uh, we're happy to pray with you and talk with you. Thanks for being here today, guys. I think you made a great choice. God bless you. I hope to see you next week.